Welcome to Tales of the Hydean Way, a podcast about taking your games into hyperspace. We want to welcome first class passenger Ben Brophy to our Patreon. You can get tickets like them at patreon.com slash the Hydean Way. Thank you and now on to the show. That is a bunch more ships than I was expecting recently. Wait, is that a Star Destroyer? Okay, that that's too much for the Bogwing. An Imperial Raider? Sure. Maybe even that light cruiser over there. But a real Star Destroyer? That might be a little much for even this ship. Oh, come on. We'll be fine. We've seen Star Destroyers before. Now, the important thing here is that it doesn't see us. Welcome <laughs> to an ambush tale from the Hydean Way. We're your hosts, Risa D. And Ben Yindel. This week, I have a topic that is a question from a GMing friend of mine. He was asking me for some advice on how do you make something like running a blockade in Star Wars difficult for your players without making it too difficult to actually accomplish or demoralizing for your players. So I think he's been having trouble where if he puts something in front of his players... They want challenging things, right? They want something that's challenging to do, like all players do. Players don't want to just be able to walk through something, right? That's not fun. So he gives them something that he thinks is like would, would work well for their group. And it ends up being incredibly difficult. And it ends up demoralizing the group a bit. Mm. They start making like, well... Guess we might as well start rolling new characters kind of jokes because a lot of them are from D&D backgrounds. So, you know, that kind of joke. Mm -hmm. His question was, how does he make things feel high stakes without making it ridiculously difficult? And I have thoughts on the matter, but I want to hear your thoughts first. I will preface this on my end by saying Mask of the Pirate Queen, Act 1, Episode 7, Terminal Velocity is what I'm willing to do to players, as in (laughs) let them jump out of a ship, buy cables, and then have one of them faceplant from medium distance. So, yeah, that was pretty demoralizing to the players. To be fair, they chose to do that. That was their plan. Yes. That wasn't the mission parameters. Like, okay, and now your mission from the Rebels is to go jump out of a plane at <laughs> instead of whereas it know, usually that sounds is. kind of cool. I mean, that would be pretty fun. Whereas a lot of the time it would be like, your mission is to run this blockade. Before I derail <laughs> into starting these Rebel special ops, having grab <laughs> shoots and jumping out, doing a halo jump in Star Wars. Because... <laughs> I don't know, now that I actually that. sounds pretty cool. That does sound fun. Trying to think. I think that was in, like, the first Twilight Company. <laughs> Something completely different. Like you were talking about, how about? Um, okay, running blockades. I've got two different blockade runnings in my head for movie references. Well, one's a movie, one's a TV show. Both are Star Wars. And I'm just, there's sort of the balance between the two. And in the end, it's what is the GM wanting the players to accomplish Mm -hmm. like is it okay we've got to escape this planet and we will miraculously get out yeah the ships that we arrived on have crashed or 
something along that lines, and now we have to get out of here to warn the rebels because there's a fleet coming for them or something. Is it something like that, or is it they're trying to get on planet and any which way down is okay? Sometimes you might get a ship out of it because you landed it properly, or you're coming down in a piece of flaming wreckage. <laughs> That's true. I'm thinking either the escape from Naboo, where you've got, what is it, Captain Ollie trying to thread the needle of the Trade Federation's blockade of Naboo, and they're just losing astromech after astromech, and R2 is the only one left on the yeah. outside as they turn on the shield generator. Yeah. Yes, I kind of know that scene. <laughs> the other one being Hera's assault on Lothal with the X-Wings in Season 4 of Rebels, which yeah. there were no X-Wings that survived that. But Hera did make it down. Yeah. For me, the biggest question is, what is the end goal that the players and the GM are wanting? Okay. That's that's a good, that's a valid point. Because it's like, it that then makes it depend on what kind of supports you're going to give your players. And I think that's my main suggestion when I was, when I was being given the problem is like what supports you can give your players on the rebel side almost like depending on what, what blockade you're running. Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, if your goal is to try and get down to a planet, then maybe what you do is you provide them with those expendable X-Wings, right? Yeah. <laughs> to draw fire away from your player's ship. So that your players are then not being hit with tie after tie or something like that. They're not the ones getting the majority of the fire. They are less likely to get down to the ground in a wreck if you provide some kind of cover for them. But then there's the idea of if they're trying to leave or something, what can you give them as a support? What is it that you can do? And keeping the goal in mind, I think, is, is a very important thing when you're setting the difficulty of the task. Because, especially with this kind of thing, it feels way more fun to scrape by. Yes. To, and succeed than to just kind of waltz in. Because that doesn't feel fun. It's like I am running a blockade and somehow they just don't spot me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't seem... The one in The Phantom Menace really, really works on account of... It's kind of that the stakes are fake in The Phantom Menace one that I brought up. Yeah. On account of... You're pretty sure that, yes, that is R2 and, yes, R2 is not going to die. <laughs> so, hey, look, this astromech has plot armor, but... You see two astromechs that are there next to R2 getting blown away in sequence. It's not like this one and that one, and you're left not knowing. It's this one goes, oh, the shields are still down. That one goes, the shields are still down. Dodging around, cut back to the cockpit. Is it going to be in time? Oh, and then the graphic of the shield generator coming back on and the shields re-enveloping the ship. You've got that level of anticipation to it. The blockade run or any of these large, I want to say skill check style encounters are mm -hmm. the tease. Yeah. So much of it is a buildup of anticipation and the let go of it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what makes it a very good movie moment. And that's what, that's kind of what we want in our games anyways. We want those kind of satisfying movie moments. Cause yeah. I mean, especially in the Star Wars games, right? That's <laughs> yep. what we want. We want to do something that's cool that would have happened in one of the Star Wars movies. Exactly. I mean, that's how I like to do it when I'm playing, at least. <laughs> Find something that's 
cool and fun. <laughs> really cool, obviously, in this game. Yeah. I think then what we can say is trying to build up tension is, is a big part of it. But I also feel like if we're going to create a blockade, right, for our players, let's say we're trying to run a blockade to get to a planet. Because I okay. know I'm pretty sure the situation with the GM is that the players are trying to get medicine to a planet that is currently blockaded. I can't remember exactly. Oh, that's nice and altruistic. Yeah, I know, right? It's, they're totally doing it of their own. They're not being <laughs> blackmailed into it or anything. I know that they're trying to run a blockade into a planet. It seems to them that it's going to be very hard, so they're putting it off. Mm. And it's one of those things where I feel like when you're setting the scene, at least, of the blockade, to make it seem big and ominous, you can just say there are a lot of ships and stuff like that. You don't have to start saying how much firepower they have. You can just say you see a lot of ships, if that makes sense. Because I feel like you can start gauging how well your players are going to be doing at the encounter. And during the encounter, start adjusting based on how well they're doing. Like if I immediately planned for there to be a certain amount of ships for them to get past, but they seem to be breezing through this encounter now, I can add some, you know? Exactly. Flip a destiny point, I'm adding some. Or if it Boy. seems like they're struggling a lot... I can just, you know, pretend like I didn't have as many as I was originally planning to do. Mm. And I think that's a huge part, just as a, adjusting the difficulty as you're going, which is, a, a, I do a lot of that when I'm jamming. If I feel like my players are struggling, especially if it's like a game where everyone's rolling really poorly that day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which happens so... Yeah, totally. There are days where everyone's rolling triumphs left and right, and there are days where no one can roll, like, anything other than a wash. Like, mm -hmm. it's just it's just like that sometimes. When it's one of those days where everyone is starting to get like that, I will adjust my difficulty of my situations based on how frustrated my players are. <laughs> I absolutely will as well. In those sorts of cases, the other thing that I'll start doing is, especially because I'm a bit of a, shall we say, rules nerd? <laughs> well, I know their character sheets. I've got an idea of when it comes to my players, I am paranoid. So the way I plan in a lot of cases is my worst case of what those players can do, my NPCs. Yeah. Of course, the players are generally not going to actually have that at their hands, but... I will start mentioning a few of the things that I am afraid of when they start faltering. Yeah. Reminding them of a boost that they normally have, but they've been forgetting or something like that, especially on washes or really close calls. It's being friendly. It's being part of the team at the table. It's like, oh, yeah, you forgot to roll this boost die that this person gave you. Oh, that actually caused the success to happen. And we're moving forward. Yeah. It's not a GM give. It's not just being a gimme. It's not unearned. No is really the thing that I keep trying for with it is, yes, as a GM, we're continuously trying to make it harder, easier, harder, easier. I think it was a Force and Destiny game. Yes, it was. <laughs> I had a... These were pretty, you know, my experience level of characters. <laughs> these were relatively on the powerful side. I still did two adventures with them afterwards. It was scary. <laughs> but this was sort of like the end of Act 1. This is the bad guy... And they bring out, like, a bunch of squads of stormtroopers just sort of to show their strength. 
as an inquisitor. It's like this is a group who you can pretty much throw them at like a rancor or a zelo beast, and well, yep, we're gonna take it on. Yeah. Okay. There's this force wielder and a bunch of stormtroopers. All right, let's do this. Mm. There's three of us. There's forty one of them. <laughs> Let's see if the odds are as stacked against us as they seem to be on paper. So that Force user was way out of their league. Like, just straight Inquisitor build out of Force and Destiny. Yeah. They were not quite expecting something up to that level. Because the NPC was doing so well against them, the NPC decided to get cocky. It's like, all right, yep, you in the back ranks, the back 20 there, yeah, you guys go away. Go back into the shuttle. <laughs> Like, yeah, we don't need you. Just go in, make sure that they don't do anything silly. And, yeah, that is a little on the, well, the players are not doing that great, but it's also trying to average out the amount of damage that's going up against the players. How much do the players have to think about it? Yeah. Also, in that case, I reminded of about the Stormtroopers. This one guy had improved parry and that sort of stuff. <sighs> it, was, it was disturbing, as most of my groups are. <laughs> <laughs> That kind of adjustment in the counter can really help, I think, especially if people are starting to feel it. Also, reminding your players that they can retreat. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that you can always do because players oh, refuse yes. to retreat because they feel, <laughs> God, I have been the player in a group of people saying, we should go. Uh <laughs> And everyone else is passed out, and I'm like, okay, I'm retreating. <laughs> I can save them later. <laughs> and I did. I rescued them, and it was fine. That's amazing. That's something that you can that you can also, like, if everyone is, like, starting to get really hurt and stuff like that, you can be like, okay, you guys, this seems to be like, maybe you guys are having a tough time. You could always retreat and try this again later. <laughs> yeah. Something similar that I didn't do, but my, my GM did was <laughs> very similar to what you just described. But instead of instead of sending other minions away, the big bad said, okay, well, I'll let my minions handle you. And they left. Honestly, that's probably better rating uh, design than what I did. <laughs> Mostly, I think it was also kind of a, this way, you guys also have a plot hook. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like there's that, too. And just sort of think of how many different ways that you can get an NPC to brush off the players like that. It's like, yeah, this was fun, but now, okay, I, I'm late for coffee with my friend. Yeah, it was very, it was very Bond villain, <laughs> exactly. is how it felt. It was like, ah, oh, yes, and I'll let my minions deal with you. <laughs> It was nice knowing you, Mr. Bond. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was basically like that. <laughs> yeah. That's how it felt as a player. And I was like, excuse you. <laughs> I would like to do this this murdering thing right now. Because, you know, as a player, that's the first thing on your mind. Pretty much. You know, in the middle of an encounter, at least. Well, yeah. I try to be nice here. <laughs> like a lot of things, when players are trying to push it off, push off anything. A pretty useful ploy on the GM side is to tighten a timeline. Yeah. This must happen by this time, otherwise the medicine will spoil. The people who need the medicine will die. The Imperials are getting reinforcements at this time, and if we get in there just before, no one will know. 
things like that. Or, oh my gosh, you know what would be a really good thing? Intel saying that there'd be like a slight weakening in the barricade at a certain time. Yes. That would be awesome. And that would be like, oh yeah, we'll totally do that then. Mm-hmm. But then they'd have to actually succeed on an astrogation roll. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know. They could try a hand Solo thing, but eh, you know. <laughs> Twice in the same movie. Really funny though. When I ran a blockade once as a player, I just jumped inside the blockade. Just my favorite thing to say that I did as a player. Mm-hmm. Because that was an impossible roll. I had to flip a destiny point Ooh. to make that roll, and I still made it, and I loved it. That is beautiful. It was, it was awesome. I don't know how, but I've somehow now connected this to what we were discussing just before we started recording this, and my frustrations with a uh, pair of players. <laughs> it really comes down to, in this particular case, these two players, their characters, one was a droid, one was a doctor. The two of them are both very much the support kind of player, and they aren't really the dashing, daring do, at least not in these characters. They get in, they do the first part of their assignment just perfectly. Well, one distracts and one punches. It was great. And then, right after that, it's, oh no, what do we do now? But the entire reason why they were doing this was because getting into this facility was described as it's a sheer rock face with a door in it. And you can see off to either side of the door a bit ahead with these two murder holes where they can see the eyes of the people scanning the horizon through this killing field that's got like 150 feet of cleared brush around it. So it sounds intimidating. Like, I'll get out. Yeah. Let the players plan and let the players figure out whatever their plan is and shove that plan through the door. I think it's important to, like, encourage them to make a plan. That's a good start, at least. Be like, so, you guys have this task. What's your plan? Because you can start changing your plan based on their plan. <laughs> with yep. Like, not in, like, a bad way. Not no. like in a, haha, now they won't succeed way. <laughs> but in a, okay... They're doing a completely different thing than I ever intended for them to do. Like jump on the other side of a barricade. You know, yeah. now I have to come up with something else for them to do. And now there's a high, you know, a high speed chase inside the atmosphere. So something new, something different that you have to figure out. And that's your time is when they're doing their planning. Because you may have planned for something, but you never plan for everything. Because exactly. you'd, you'd go crazy if you did. Please don't try. You're not Thrawn. No. Just don't don't try to plan for every single thing that a player might do. Because you would just... You know those like stories where like the people who can see the future end up... <laughs> they're like, oh no, they've lost touch with reality because they see all the different possible futures. Yeah, that's what you would be. So don't do that. <laughs> this is your time to start piecing together things that could happen now because they're telling you their plan which oh, yeah. i love that that's great you get to know their plan they don't get to know yours which is fine because they want to be surprised they don't want to know the, your plan it helps you know a direction that you can start putting more cement plans so i definitely recommend at least saying okay now's the time to make your plan what are you planning on doing? So, what's the plan? Anything like that to get them to start talking it out. Even if it means they're all talking out of character for a bit, anything like that can help. 
Exactly. And then it allows you to also think of not how can this plan fail because, well, that's called dice. Yeah. Dice will make it fail. You don't have to, like, stack it too far in anyone's favor. But you can think of what complications there are going to be. It's like, oh, yeah, well, this is Arquitan's cruiser that is over the planet, and it's the thing that's going to intercept us. It has a squadron of TIE fighters, or a flight of TIE fighters, that fly around and intercept all small ships. Okay, well, how do we get past this? Do we have stealthing tech? Is there a meteor shower that we can create? Because mm-hmm. those work. Yeah. Is it we're just going to be really far away and blow up all the ties? Yeah. At the start, you you absolutely need a setup like what the bad guys are, what the obstacles are. But then, as the players are trying to say, well, okay, we're really good here. This guy is really, really good at bluffing. And this pilot here, she's amazing at piloting. What we can do is get a little farther away get an asteroid coming in, but we're going to go really slow and it just make it look really big. So that it looks like a large casino ship coming in and we'll bluff our way in. <laughs> On account of I'm thinking of things that my player crews would never do. As they're coming up with that plan, whether it's harebrained or not, like whether you're jumping into a jungle or not, Brandon, <laughs> whatever the plan is, you can come up with ways of all right, these are the problems they should face in dealing with this. These are the skill checks that they should be dealing with to get through this. Yeah, definitely challenges is what you want to have planned. Ish. 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 At least have them there and then like a vague difficulty. And then depending on how they feel like accomplishing it, you can adjust difficulty based on how they decide to do something. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, depending on, like, how believable a lie is, you can decide how difficult you want to do things. Like, if you want to, like, upgrade or something. Not upgrade. Upgrade? Oh, upgrade, increase, either. Upgrade, yeah. That's what I was looking for, not increase. Usually for me, I I like to keep the amount of dice the same for social Mm. checks based on, like, the person. So, like, a (laughs) stormtrooper. Then I just kind of upgrade the check if they're being incredibly Suspicious. (laughs) Suspicious. <laughs> what you just said was incredibly suspicious, so I'm going to upgrade that. Player groups being suspicious? I would never believe that. Uh, and there's no way the ship you're you're flying would ever be used for something you just said that, so I'm going to add a setback. <laughs> <laughs> Vague difficulties and then adjust based on how they do things. Because that's the other thing, is how your players decide to do things, to me... I adjust my difficulties based on, like, how they decide to do things a lot of the time. Obviously, some things are going to stay the same, like trying to lockpick something, right? Yeah. That's going to always be the same. There's no way I can change that because that lock is always going to be that level of lock. But if they're going to try to do something like I'm going to pilot down, try and go really close to this other ship and try and see if that will skirt. This is not even something that I'm making up. Someone tried to do this. I'm going to try and fly like right next to this big ship and see if they can't tell the difference between our ship signatures. And I'm like, that's going to be a really hard piloting check. Yeah, but I love the idea. Yeah, obviously that's going to then change the difficulty of the piloting check because you're, you've, change the difficulty of what you're doing (laughs) 
by quite a bit. You've made this a lot harder on yourself, friend. If it works, then, you know, it'll be amazing. And then it becomes a story. Exactly. And then it becomes a really cool movie moment. And then if it fails it, and you get a triumph, then maybe someone else sees it and then they try and shoot at you and then it hits the other ship. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I love that idea. So there's that at least. Actually, I'm pretty sure the rest of our group, we said no. We're like, we're not doing that. <laughs> I don't even think that's how that works. It's at that point where I'd be attempting to buy a grapple claw like the Falcon has. <laughs> just like claw onto the outside of the other ship. Yeah, exactly. Totally makes sense to me. You know, all these big <laughs> ships, they can't tell. Yeah. Obviously. Probably. That's probably how it works. <laughs> okay, so what we've said so far is try and look at the goal of what yep. what we want your our players to achieve and l look at it that way. See what kind of supports we can give to our players in that kind of way. Absolutely. Adjust our difficulty based on how our players are faring <laughs> yeah. as well, which we can. What else have we said? Give your players a timeline. Give our players a timeline to try and keep them going, keep the story moving. Otherwise, they can just be like, well, maybe we'll do it next Tuesday. And try and get them to plan ahead so you can try and tailor the obstacles to their plan. <laughs> which yeah, I think helps a lot. Because if they... Oh, absolutely. They have some ridiculous plan that includes like, okay, so we're going to go in and we're going to bluff that we're this, you know, a dignitary going in to talk to the moth. Then it doesn't make sense for you to just have people come shoot them immediately. You want to like go along with their plan and have to be intercepted by someone to talk to. Exactly. It's like, oh, then you've got the moth's personal assistant coming up sort of running along their side like oh you weren't on the agenda for today exactly. or something like that definitely even if you already had other obstacles planned if they make a plan that doesn't include your obstacles you can still have your obstacles in the wings but you want to include what they have going exactly i would also say play to their strengths is another mm -hmm. thing you could be doing if you know for a fact that you have a, like a, a pilot ace or something <laughs> on your crew then you can add more more piloting stuff going on, right? You can add yeah. more actual, like, trying to zip in and out of things. However, if you don't have anyone who can fly, then that seems like an obstacle you shouldn't place in their way. If you exactly. have someone who's incredibly good at bluffing, then I would suggest putting, like, that as the first obstacle in their way of, like, someone to talk to, to deceive before anything else. But if you don't have anyone who's good at words, then you might want to try something else first. Unless that's their plan. Unless they're like, I don't know, we all have too cunning, but I feel like I could do it anyway. And then, you know, they want to, so do it, and they get to fail. <laughs> because they know at this point that, yeah, they're going to fail, and it's going to be fun, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's not the failure, it's going to be, okay, we're springing the trap. They're jumping out at medium range. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. They know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Sometimes, if we're talking about a blockade, because a blockade doesn't just have to be, oh, I can't get into a planet. I cannot down jump my astrogation and immediately land on a planet. That, when someone says a blockade, that's kind of what you're thinking, or what I get thinking of. Mm -hmm. Or I've got a blockade and I'm now trying to use this old rusty U-wing to get to the rebel mm. fleet 
as I jump through a orbital space station because, wow, that's cool. <laughs> what can I say? I like Rebels. <laughs> I agree. You've got all that stuff going on. Ship piloting, ship moving around. Like, okay, you are trying to get through the blockade. You can be trying to smuggle or you're trying to fly because you've got an ace pilot or something like that that can do an astrogation jump through a building and thusly destroying a, and killing a lot of stormtroopers. Like, ace move, literally. <laughs> yeah. Hair is amazing. But it doesn't always have to be that sort of thing. Like, a blockade can be a line of tanks. Yeah. It can be, oh, we're trying to get into this crater, and the only way in is a crack in it where this river runs through, and we have to go down the river. Otherwise, the outside of this crater is entirely barricaded because crater. Mm. What do we have to do to go through along that river or through this these caverns? At which point I then come up with, like, say, a the fairly classic canyon chase kind of thing. Yeah. If you want to take this completely theoretical and do something that is similar, but also only if you're looking through, like, those weird slitted sunglasses, <laughs> you actually brought up a pretty good one. I'm just going to flip it slightly on its head of, say you are trying to get to a hut. Say you need to get in to talk to Jabba. And no one coming off the street getting in to talk to Jabba is not going to happen. Like, why would that happen? So there's, you've got... The big heavy door. You've got the door cards. Then you've got the entourage around them. The different things that can go wrong with it. Then you finally talk to the big slug. <laughs> they listen to you because, well, why not? I mean, you're here. They're finally awake. They haven't quite got the munchies yet. And decide that your offer is creative, but not worthwhile. And they decide to send you down a trapdoor. Because why not? I mean, it's Jabba. There's a trapdoor. Yeah. And then you get eaten by the giant rancor. Nice. Or you don't. There are many different challenges within there of like, okay, how do I get through the door? How do I get past the door guards? How do I get through to talk to Jabba without waking and angering the entourage? Yeah. Am I able to talk to Jabba while messing up any one of those? Also, similar thing is breaking into any kind of facility with a bunch of stormtroopers as well. Like... Yep. Actually trying to jailbreak a friend to draw on personal experiences from campaigns. I was also mildly thinking of possibly the same group that spawned this question. <laughs> yeah, that one too. <laughs> the same kind of thing of trying to break in a, a well-guarded facility is the same kind of principle as a blockade. Absolutely. It's well guarded. You have to be able to get in on several different ways of the physical way of getting in and also getting past all of the guards, trying to get in, find your friend, get past the physical barrier of your friend, and then try to do it all in reverse to get back out. Again, very similar kind of thing. And again, just like with all the other stuff, you can tailor it to your player group based on their plan, their abilities, their attitude that day. Because mm -hmm. if everyone's like crying from frustration, maybe, you know, the stormtroopers are a little like, they'll take bribes. Who knows? Sometimes they are open to bribes. <laughs> I mean, if they're on a less intense world, why not? Yeah. You're on some like backwater planet? Definitely. They'll take bribes. Until they start getting like major imperial oversight. 
they're relatively chill beings. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, anything like that. It's the same kind of principle as what we were saying about the blockade. It can be used for pretty much any kind of situation, to be honest. Even if it's not trying to get in or out of something. That was just my, my big question for mm-hmm. my friend. <laughs> but anything that feels like it could have been daunting for your players. Yeah. You can always use, I think, the kind of things we just said to tailor the approach to make it, even if it still seems difficult, to make it run a little smoother. It could just be me doing details for as long as I have. It might be just me as a GMing style, but difficulty is in the eye of the beholder and the smoke screen that I am sitting behind as a GM. Yeah. It's going to be the dice that fail them. If you want to hear about a group of mine trying to get into a place that is just not cooperating for dice rolls, listen to Season 2, Act 1, Episode 11, on account of there's at least three different washes that go on. (laughs) Yeah, the players were starting to get dispirited at that point. Then things flipped around and massive gunshots happened, and it was amazing. (laughs) But there is a point where, yeah, the plan can go south, and how do the players adapt? Yeah. And you can always point out that they have destiny points. Oh, yes. Especially if everyone is having, like, everyone is failing just a a time. I think I've mentioned this one before, where my party members and I were trying to escape a building where we had just set off a bunch of explosives to go off very soon. (laughs) As you do, you know, because that's that's the kind of thing we did in that group. And we all failed. (laughs) We all failed our athletics roles to run out of the building. Nice. All of us. So it was like, oh, we're all going to die until one person reaches over, flips a point, and goes, hey, look, an emergency exit. <laughs> <laughs> we all had minimal wounds instead of going up in a building that was just like, Phew. that's what you can point your players to if things are like, I know everyone just failed this. Does everyone want to like <laughs> look at how many destiny points they have? They can, you can, um, you know, you can use one of those at any point if you want. <laughs> I know it sounds like pretty bad when you say it like that, but sometimes they literally forget they have them. Sometimes as a GM, I forget them. And most times as a player, I forget I have them. Yeah. It's like, oh, right. Those things. What did they? Oh, right. That's what they do. <laughs> Destiny points are great because it means like it can help you get around whatever it is that you guys are all, everyone's failing to accomplish. Give you another avenue to try. Mm-hmm. When everyone fails trying to unlock a door, maybe you can discover a window everyone can fail to unlock as well. <laughs> I know we've talked about it several times before on the podcast. If you have a Dark Destiny point, use it. Yeah. If the players are trying to have issues or they're trying to have like plot points or they're spinning their wheels doing plans, flip a Dark Destiny point it does two things. One, it moves everyone along because, oh no, the GM's flipping destiny points. Everyone scatter. <laughs> it, well, then also, the plan now has to get in motion. The plan that was kind of, sort of there, it's now the plan. Yeah. You have now cemented it. Or if yep. that isn't the plan, whatever comes up next will be the plan. Yeah. Yeah. You've reminded them that they have destiny points so that they can start upgrading things. I guess my sort of final suggestion, this is something that hasn't been brought up yet, something that we might end up doing another podcast on when we've had time to think of it, is mm-hmm. running a blockade or something like that as a 
a skill challenge more than a single roll, you pass, you fail. Yeah. Have things getting progressively worse, progressively better, depending on whether the rolls succeed or fail. In a lot of ways, like a mass combat check, where it's never just one roll, hey, look, that's where all the other stuff happens. And now you are through the blockade, or you're into the inner sanctum of the crime lord, or what have you. It's, okay, I'm doing this portion of the blockade, and in doing that portion, my gunners were horrible, and they got three failures total, and my piloting and deception was able to get four successes. So net one, go into that. Well, then the next phase, there's something else that, okay, we got two net failures on this, but a triumph do that over three or four, and then however those three, four scenes tie together and knit for their outcomes, and also how the actual roles went, say you've got a net one success, because you did really amazing on the first one, and then just barely failed, or got a lot of positive and failures all cancelled out. So the initial bit is great, and then you just sort of coast through. And it turns into a bit of a story that way. You can do sort of like a blockade run that way of chaining the things where just because you fail doesn't mean your forward momentum ends. You're approaching the planet. You've successfully bluffed your way in close to the light cruiser that's blockading the planet. But someone looks out the window and finds out you're a YT-1300 instead of an Imperial shuttle because reasons. You have to full throttle it and try and outrun the ties, but they're slightly faster. And then you do a final piloting thing at the very end, and everything works out. As the two pilots smash into the sides of a arch of stone that you fly through the middle of. Chaining scenes can work, and it makes the sort of the building of epicness help. So, Risa, what's your final thought? My final thought is that if it feels like you are having issues with like demoralizing your players with things being too difficult, then my idea is to be vague. When you're describing the scene as it starts, you don't have to tell them exactly how many. You don't have to be like, yeah, there are two dozen stormtroopers. Like, if that's something that makes them go, aw, maybe you just say there are a bunch of stormtroopers. And then once they start showing how well or poorly they're rolling, then maybe you can start saying, oh yeah, there were two dozen, or oh yeah, there were eight. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes if, if that's the kind of problem you're having with your player group, I think until you can kind of get a good idea on what is a good challenge for them, you should be pretty fast and loose and start trying to really adapt your scenes based on how it's going. And I think that's a good idea. That's my thought on it. I was not expecting us to get this close. Using an Imperial freighter to hide on works surprisingly well. Then, when we sprung our own trap inside the Imperial trap, it worked. What the criff? All the tiny ships shot at the big one. I would say all according to plan, but to be fair, I didn't expect the plan to work. But I'm not going to look a gift rancor in the mouth. Let's go. Join us next time on another death-defying tale from the Hydean Way. We can be found on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and I can be found at Cookie Kit. And I'm at Tutorium Ice. 
We are all at thehydeanway.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about on the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you can help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Drop us a holocom at tales at thehydeanway.com. We're also on Facebook. It's Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehydeanway. Or you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash thehydeanway. Sorry, there's this kitten that keeps going by outside, and I'm like... <laughs> I don't know if it's like a stray or if it's... Mm. Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> Kittens will do that. <sighs> okay, but... <laughs>